Welcome to Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. Hi, everybody, and welcome to the latest episode of Vox Vomitus, also known as Word Vomit. I am your host, Jennifer Ann Gordon, the award-winning author of Beautiful, Frightening, and Silent, as well as the Hotel series. I am joined today by my two Vox Vomitus vixens, Alison Martin, author of the Bourbon books, and Trisha Ridinger-McKee, author of the Beyond series, and soon to be published next week, I, the, is it through the, it's through the motions? What is the name of the, the series? I always call the it Josie. the Josie series. The Josie series. So Trisha will be having a book birthday next week. We are joined today by J.T. Ellison, New York Times bestseller, thriller writer extraordinaire, and the reason why I still am tired, and it's Wednesday <laughs> for her amazing book, Her Dark Lies. J.T., welcome to the show. I am so thrilled to be here, and I'm I'm not sorry, not sorry for keeping you up. No, I, it was good for me to stay up past midnight and remember what that feels like again. <laughs> <laughs> I hear you. <laughs> I, I totally well, get that. It was one of those nights where it was like 8 p.m. and I'm just like, I could go to bed now, I guess. And then I'm just like, I'm just going to read a little. Read, read the whole book. Read the whole book. In the morning. Don't. There you go. I'm glad. I'm glad to <laughs> yeah. hear that it actually was engaging enough to keep you awake. That's lovely. It was very good. Um, so, JT, tell our audience a little bit about yourself and a little bit about your new book, Her Dark Lies. So, I am. I'm a thriller writer from Nashville. I've written. This is my 24th published novel. And I started back in, I guess my first book was in 2007. So I've been kind of banging them out pretty quick. Um, I switched from series to standalone a few years ago. And that's what I'm doing now. I'm writing these standalones and Her Dark Lies is, uh, I guess, my fifth standalone. Gosh, that's kind of (laughs) crazy. It's my fifth standalone. It is about a young up-and-coming artist named Claire Hunter who has met the man of her dreams, uh, Jack Compton. And he is the son of an incredibly wealthy computer magnet. And they are getting ready to leave to go get married on his family's private island, Isola, off the coast of Italy. And, of course, things just don't go as planned. (laughs) Because it's a wedding. You can't have a wedding. Yeah, because, because it's a, yeah. Right? This isn't a romance novel. It's a thriller. <laughs> Wrong genre. Right. I know. I was like, the way Wrong you genre. set that up, it's like, and nothing goes according to plan. Like, oh, <laughs> wackiness ensues. No. Oh, very, yeah. very A lot dark, of wackiness. A lot of wackiness. <laughs> a lot of dark, sordid, twisty, twisty, twisty wackiness. Yeah, I'm so, going to go with bloody over wacky, but wacky's fine. Go on. Yeah. Um, so, um, first, I, I loved the book. I I don't want to say too much spoilery wise, but it just it kept me on my toes the entire time. And I read a lot of thrillers, and I read a lot of mystery and a lot of horror. So, um, it's hard to trick me. And I was tricked. I think at the end of every chapter, I was just oh. like, "Oh, oh, what the hell is happening?" <laughs> um, <laughs> so, um, did you? Do you plot all of this out or does it just like happen? All of the above. Okay. I'm, I'm kind of a, a, a plotster. So I, I <laughs> you, you've heard of uh, pantsers and plotters, right? Yeah, so I'm and, kind of a mix. 
and yeah, planter. we heard it called a yeah a planter as opposed planter, to a, pl- a plotter. But, but I like this Plots are might be heavier on the plotting, hmm. and, and planters are heavier on the pants. Maybe I don't know. Maybe um, <laughs> your pants. I'm, I'm definitely heavier on the pants. <laughs> Badly. Thank you, pandemic. Twenty twenty. I, I feel like uh, the hashtag quarantine. I, right. Hashtag quarantine. On hashtag that one. heavier <laughs> in the pants. <laughs> heavier in the pants. Um, so I. This one was really different than all of my other ones. Usually, I do a little more pantsing than plotting. This one, uh, it's it's an homage back to some of our earlier gothic thrillers, right? Yes. The Rebecca, like Rebecca, the, and then there are no yes. So it was actually while I was listening to Rebecca doing research for another book that uh, a very fundamental question came to me, and. I decided I probably needed to answer that question. I was really intrigued by the thought. It was a it was a great thought. I don't necessarily want to say it because it's a total giveaway of, <laughs> of what the story is, but what that question was, that intrinsic, oh my gosh, this is never answered. I want to know the answer to this is what kind of drove this story, which sounds great. Unfortunately, nothing I did with it worked because oh. it's an homage, right? I, you want to... You want to give everything it's due. You want to have the appropriate tropes. You don't want the tropes to feel stale or copied or any kind of, you know, this is just a regurgitation of somebody else's work. Right. It has to be something that's that's yours and unique. And, and that was really challenging. So everything I did didn't work. And I've got seven versions of this book, not seven drafts, seven versions. What? Because nothing, like it just wouldn't. Like with a ending? Um, well, I never got to the ending. Oh. <laughs> this is, this one, I broke every rule I've ever told any other writer they need to do and think about when they're approaching the page. Don't, no matter what you do, finish the book before you try to edit it, right? Isn't that our number one goal? Finish, yeah. then edit. We call it the vomit draft around okay, these parts. right? That's what you're supposed to. Yeah. Well, I got sixty thousand words in three times and just kept going back and circling back and saying, "No, that's not going to work. It's not going to work. The setup's not right." I just couldn't get the setup right, and then I finally just gave up and I finished and I sent it to my agent and my editor, and I was like. Mm. I've got a massive timeline issue. Something's very, very drastically wrong with this. And they came back and they're like, yeah, you've got a really big timeline issue. I'm like, I know. I've already said that. Help me fix it. Introduce a time machine. Yes. You know, I'm on Twitter asking for people, you know, how do you do timelines? And all it was. How do I do timelines? I've read, you wrote 21 books before this and you're on Twitter saying, 20, do I 24. Yeah. I, you forget. You forget I love how to it. do it every single time. Every I time is the first time. Yes, it, that's yeah, true. Every time is the first time. It's one of those yes. really weird things that, you know, I kind of take for granted that things do flow pretty well. You know, I'll have problems with I've chosen the wrong point of view or, or I don't like my setting or things like that. But to have something as fundamental as a timeline just refused to work. Um, and I ended up having to drop an entire subplot and just kill it. <gasps> just kill it dead. Oh, ouch. Uh, yeah. yeah. Did that make you, did you cry? Did you drink? 
extreme. And I was drinking. I was I'm a lot of drinking. Yes. Yeah. There was a lot of, you can have some of that for me because that looks really good. <laughs> um, yeah, there was, there was a lot of drinking. Obviously it was mid pandemic. So we actually even vacated and went and house sat so I could get a completely different point of view, like you know, that. see different things, hear different things, smell yeah. different things. And, and that helped a lot. Um, well, you were in house sitting in Italy, were you? No, no. In Florida. Yeah. That would have helped. But it Florida would have helped. Florida still. You couldn't go to Italy. Yeah, yeah, I don't want to go to Italy right now. That's my family over there. Is they're still having all kinds of problems and lockdowns. Mm. Bless their hearts. It's just hard. Do they have their own island? No. They do not. (laughs) A lovely villa. A lovely. You know, they they live up north. They they live in the middle of town. It's really cool. But yeah, it's nothing like that. (laughs) Well, I love what you mentioned as far as talking about the different points of view, because that was one of the things. So I listened to it on Audible. So I got to hear these different voices. And it was a little different when you were having a narrator do this for you and change the point of view. Did you always have that kind of shifting point of view where sometimes it's first person and sometimes it's third person? Yes, because mostly that's an element that I'm doing as I'm, I'm drafting a book. I'm never quite sure what I'm going to land on, what feels right. Mm-hmm. Um, I, you, you guys are nodding. So you clearly, you understand this. Yeah. It's, you just don't necessarily know what's going to feel right. And I changed the point of view a few times and I finally found, you know, like, well, Jack's going to have to be in third person and Claire's going to be in first person. And our, our narrator is going to be in first person and that's just okay. And Oh, guess what? Let's do it in present tense just to make it fun. Yeah. You know, um, I think, uh, yeah, the, the point of view in the tenses, my, the book that I just am kind of on final edits of right now, I had the hardest time figuring out what tense it was. I honestly kept going back and forth. I'm like, it's definitely present tense. It works better. And then I'm like, no, it works better as past. So I ended up with like this fourth draft that switched all the time. And I'm like, now it's just a mess. <laughs> now it's a mess. Now it's a mess. I don't Been even there. know. So like you have that, those like drafts that you have to slog through and just literally change the tense of everything. And I'm like, I hate writing. I hate sentences. <laughs> I have yeah. a rule. I only mess with that stuff in short stories. So I'm not trying to fix a hundred thousand words of a tense right. and change, you know, but for some reason, the standalones really lend themselves to experimentation. And that's what I have found every book. When I think I've got something nailed, no, nope, I don't. And I end up having to go back and change it. I, the one I'm working on now is the first time in five standalones that I'm comfortable with the point of view as I'm going. It's great. I like it. It works. How many words do you put <laughs> you right now? Um, my, I just closed it right before I got on with y'all. Um, 56,000, 57,000. Oh, okay. Cool. Substantial. So yeah. I'm going to get to 70,000 and then go, no, I need to change all this again. <laughs> you know, never say never. Right. I, I yeah. Right. I hope not. I really want to power through and get this draft done and, you know, then, then try to fix it instead of yeah. <laughs> what I've been doing before. Um, yeah, it's. But it's gone easier. I mean, and every book is different. Some books take, you know, I I wrote a book in 45 days. It just literally vomited out. And I, this one took 14 months. Wow. 
So, you know, just so you started writing it before the pandemic yes. and then had to kind of, as we all did, switch our mindset in the switch middle of Switch mindsets your- and it had a couple of, a couple of weird things. I had to have knee surgery and then I had to have another knee surgery because the first one didn't work. So I had oh, surgery yeah. brain. And then what we is, have pandemic. What is surgery brain? Is it just because it's like pregnancy or, brain? It's just, yeah. you know, the anesthesia really does kind of scramble your brain and the synapses just don't, they just don't fire the way they used to. I mean, I'm hearing something about COVID that your, your IQ literally drops eight and a half points while you're trying to get through all of this because it, it acts the same way. It just creates a fog. And there was, there was a lot of fog and, and pain and painkillers and therapy and distraction, right? Distraction is, is probably the biggest part of that because, you know, every day you got to go down and go to therapy. You've got to go out and do your exercises, all these things that are not a normal part of your day. Mm -hmm. So that throws it, that throws everything off. Then I had a book tour and then COVID like kicked in as soon as I finished tour. So yeah, I literally wow. canceled the the last couple of things. I was like, you know what? I'm shutting myself down. I don't like the way this looks. And sure enough, two weeks later, everything shut down. So, you know, um, it was just a challenging time and a challenging book. And if it if anything, it taught me, oh my God, look what you can do with all of these things right. stacked against you. You can still create something that's going to keep somebody up until two in the morning. So yeah. Did you, did you find that there was a benefit though, with having, um, not that it was interrupted so much, but you had a longer length of time to kind of have it seep into you and think about it and, you know, let it live within, within your imagination and head. Sometimes I feel if a book takes longer and there's things that, you know, interrupt it, that I go back to it and it's almost like a fresh, you know, view on it. Sure, sure. That's not what happened. <laughs> no. <laughs> no. <laughs> but that theory is I'm beautiful. It's a great theory. And, and actually, no, I, I know exactly what you're talking about because I just right. got back to work this week on the new book after all the tour stuff that's, you know, just been bam, bam, bam. And and yes, I went back, back to the beginning and I've been reading I'm like, oh my God, you're brilliant. This is wonderful. I And I found that's always a good. thread that wasn't there before that can change the plot. And I was like, oh, that's great. Fresh eyes are wonderful. Yes. I, I couldn't allow myself fresh eyes. I literally just banged the rock every single day, whether oh. it worked or didn't. And, and that's not right. necessarily the right way to go about this. I was blocked and I didn't want to admit it. And that's... Wow. Wasn't that because you were on deadline or were there other forces pushing you to just keep banging at it? Like, was that I was on deadline? Okay. I was on deadline and I missed my deadline. It's the first time I've ever missed a deadline, you know, had to push okay. the deadline back. COVID is <laughs> pretty good excuses for missing deadlines. I mean, I will yeah. work get out of jail free card on that one. I had already missed the deadline. Oh, oh. <laughs> I appreciate it. I tried, Jamesy. I tried. <laughs> yeah, we, can blame, we can blame the anesthesia for then. We're going to blame the anesthesia because yeah. that truly, I was starting to get back. You know, I had surgery in June and then I was started to get myself back on, you know, on my feet. <laughs> um, and, and I went to Thriller Fest and did all the stuff on crutches. And, you know, I spent six weeks on crutches and I'm like something, it was just a little meniscus tear. This is something I've really had wrong. that surgery. 
It's super easy. It's supposed to be in and out, done off, you know, a couple of weeks back on the golf course. Yeah. Mm, yeah. It, it wasn't happen. for me. I had eight months of physical therapy total. Yeah. Okay. So now. Because, so I was dumb. I had my surgery and I was doing professional theater at the time. And I was like, I'll just wrap it and definitely dance on stage in this show. Ooh. No. Like, no, 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 you're not supposed to do any of those things. And I just kept saying, it's only a meniscus tear. What's the big deal? I know. That's what I kept saying. But, so they had to, another doctor went in and fixed it, but that was in November. So June, just starting to come back to life, November, <clears throat> you know, boom. All so, over again. Yeah. So it was just one of those, you know, one of those books every once in a while. You know, I've only had another, I've only had one other that, did this thank god <laughs> really that was that's good right was that that's other one a standalone also or is that in one of your series no it was one of my series it was the cold room was um, it was it the starter of a series or later in a series it was the fourth book oh, which wow. it, it, to me the fourth book in a series is where the series actually starts because the first book you're you're meeting all the characters it's all fun it's all exciting Second book, okay, now you know them. So now you get to see how they work together. Third book, you realize all the mistakes you made in books one and two that you've set this all up and you're not going to be able to sustain a series past the trilogy at this point. And so you have to kind of blow it up and start over. And number four is where the series really begins. Um, so it was my number four. And I had re I had realized, wow, I have put too many constraints here. There's too many coincidences. This is never going to work. And I've got to, I've got to rethink how I do all of this. And that's, you know, that kind of threw me. And there was some life stuff going on there too. So you can't, you know, physical, physical resistance is a real thing. Yeah. Yeah, it definitely is. Um, do you have a group of like writer friends, beta readers, critique partners that you bounce ideas off of and work with? while you're writing or are you a solitary in your room in your office i if, if i start getting in trouble i have people i reach out to for sure um my dad's one of my first readers and and oh. he is just fantastic and really can you know <laughs> so i send him this i'm like i've got a timeline problem he calls me back and he's like you know you got a timeline problem. <laughs> no one's helping you. <laughs> Nobody can help me. Everybody knows that. Everybody's <laughs> this is why you had to go to Twitter and ask them. Right yeah. You know, th this is what we call issue spotting in law school. And it is important to spot the issue. But if we don't ever get past that, you're not getting a lot of help. I'm telling you, it was a problem there, <laughs> Yeah. It's like, no joke. I'm aware of this. I just don't like know how to fix. Like, you're my dad fix my problem for me <laughs> right Imagine I'm a child. No, and I don't want you to spoil any of this so I will I'll ask you later what the timeline problem was because oh I can I, tell you timeline, okay I was gonna say tell us what the timeline problem was because having read it the timeline worked really well so where did it start so that was giving so, you so much trouble the timeline came from the subplot that was happening in Nashville so okay. with what happens oh. in the beginning of the book in mm -hmm. Nashville that actually happened at a different point in time. And Carmen Harris, who is the security lead, was actually the cop that was working that case. Oh, okay. Uh, so I had to change the character to the, what ended up being the problem 
is a lot of the really cool action was happening off the island. No. Yeah. Which doesn't work. I mm. mean, duh. <laughs> you need the action happening to your characters, not adjacent to your characters. Mm-hmm. It was a really good lesson for me. I don't know what I was thinking, except for, you know, surgery brain. But um, so so different different continent timelines as well, which I've done before with no problem, but this one just just eluded me. Well, I love that you had, you know, predominantly everything on this island the entire time because it not only did I see shades of Rebecca, obviously, all over this. I'm a huge Rebecca fan. But there was also um, Agatha Christie. And then there was one. Um, you know, it, it gave you like that closed door mystery. But on this beautiful Italian island. And also, I'm mad at you because I miss Italy so bad. <laughs> Me too. The book I just finished writing, part of it takes place in Italy. Then I read your Fun. book. Then I'm reading another book right now, and part of that takes place in Italy. And I'm like, oh, pandemic, you're killing me. <laughs> well, and I, just I, wanna, I just want to shout out for your cover, because I loved your cover. And then as I understood more about the book, I'm like, this went from being beautiful and enchanting to terrifying. I'm like, this is a scary-ass yes. cover. But I didn't, <laughs> yes. I didn't that. And you don't look at that and think that and go... Oh, and now it's right behind you there too. It's coming for you. Sorry, just kidding. Um, but, but I loved how you worked that in that the setting became such not just a character, but this actual component that was a real element to the story that you're aware of what the island's doing and its moods and the weather. And okay, well, now we have to move things around because what's the island going to do next? What's the island going to interfere with signals and boat rides and everything's thrown into the mix? So I have to right. you for that. Thank you. Yeah, the cover is just absolutely brilliant. And it's exactly that. It looks so inviting. And then you find out, no, that is that is not, the island is not a good place, right? I know. It, it, is, it has its own personality. I, I love it. You said its own moods. And that's exactly it. That was the other challenge with this book. I've never written a setting that I made up. I always have, you know, my books are always in cities or places that I've been and that I I know and and you know I can I can pick up the the map and go oh okay okay that's where that happens and I can visually see it this one I had to make up whole cloth and that's that was a first for me as well um well, I've made up houses but not not entire settings I, I was gonna say I figured it was a made-up island because since it's owned by the family you couldn't make up an aisle you couldn't take a real island and then just right. give it to somebody like mm, right. Because there's probably some family that owns it and does not like being acquainted with these these folks that you have player <laughs> right? marrying into. Um, but I was wondering if you based it on some real islands and what kind of research you did for that. So I um, I actually was in Italy for my 50th birthday, and my whole family was there. Um, our Italian family was there. A whole bunch of our American family came, and so we were having this big, huge family trip, and and we ended up on Lake Como and there's an island in the middle of Como called Comanchina. And that as as we were sitting there having my birthday dinner and a yacht pulls up to the island and out spills wedding party. I'm like, oh this is cool. And it's a big family joke. There's always a wedding, right? That's everywhere we go in the world, there's always a wedding. So we're laughing about that. And then the sun goes down and we hear this huge party and then fireworks go off. And I'm thinking Okay, this is really cool. And I look up Comachina because I'm curious sort. And it has all these wild 
legends around it. Like you have to drink a certain kind of coffee before you leave. So the demons don't follow you home. And I'm like, I love that. that <laughs> Look at so Trisha's cool. eyes were just like, boom, a short story <laughs> idea. <laughs> cool, right? So I started immediately. And again, I was listening to Rebecca. So boom, those two ideas just merge. Right. And now I know I've got a book, right? It, it's like, oh, I've got a book. I've got a setting, but that island wasn't Comachina is, is easily accessible. And, you know, even if there was a storm, you'd still be, you could take a rowboat, you could swim. And so I couldn't do that. So I took Comachina, married it to Capri, and then pushed it off even further west where nobody could reach it easily. A ferry only goes once a week because it's so far. You can get to it by helicopter, yacht, or the once a week ferry, and that's it. So when there's a big storm and Italy is having their worst weather in years for their wedding weekend, I mean, hello, <laughs> sign, <laughs> maybe not a good idea. Reconsider. Uh, reconsider <laughs> them. Like if the gods are against you. Exactly. Right. And, like, and of course, this island has Venus worshipers and all of yes. these, you know, crazy, weird little things that I just thought were a lot of fun. So. Well, and you also had it, uh, the setting being a place of an artist colony earlier. So I love how you tied that into Claire and her art. And I love how you described Claire's artistic practices. Now, do you have an art background yourself? Do you paint? Were you able to kind of bring yourself in there? Or are you just channeling the version of you that could paint? I channeled the, my Bob Ross late at night. <laughs> I, I am not a painter at all. I have no painting talent. I've always wanted to, though. To the point where my husband has given me canvas and, and oils and everything. I've just never gotten the guts to use them. I was on tour for Good Girls Lie, which is my last book. And my best friend was set putting me up and her husband is an artist. And I said, hey, can I, you know, I've got, I've got my best friend there. Now I can, you know, try. Can I, can I try some of your oils? And so they opened an oil and opened the canvas. And I was able to, you know, mess with it and paint something that was awful and he's now turned into this gorgeous painting which is really fun he used Aww. he used it as the background for a sunset it was really neat but it was it was it really gave me an idea of what claire does how she does it and she's a large format oil painter right so she's like jackson pollock these are huge these are gigantic pieces that she does and it's all modern abstracts which is my favorite um, so I love art. I would love to be able to create art, but I am not an artist. So I did, I did that. And yes, watched a lot of Bob Ross, watched a lot of YouTube videos, bought color wheels. Um, you know, I've got, I, 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 I'm a Twyla Tharp devotee. So every book has its own box with its stuff in it. And in that box, there's the color wheel and this big chart and, you know, so being able to say, you know, know what pains was, was, was huge to being able to make that real. So I hope I, I hope I did it right. <laughs> it worked for me, but I am not a painter. I am, I'm a fake painter who I, I like to mess with acrylics. I have tried, I am terrible, but I like doing it, but I loved how you brought that in. So it, it made me believe in her as a person and see who, who she was, including her backstory and how she found herself in her art. And how she can see herself going forward with her art, but also how she could possibly be used for her art and her connections. Uh, absolutely. I mean, she's she's really interesting. Oh, she's Tori. she's kind of a hey, Tori. Hey, <laughs> she's so awesome. Tori. We all love Tori. Tori was on our show last week and she was just like, I'm reading JT Ellison's new book. And we screamed. We're like, she's coming <laughs> on our show next week. <laughs> 
She's fabulous. She's fabulous. Um, so Claire, Claire is almost this. A synest- she's almost got synesthesia. Everything she sees, it's in the colors that she would paint. Yeah. So that wow. was really, really fun, and I, it, I felt like that kind of brings the story up a little bit from you know the sky, the it's blue. No, it's <laughs> all the colors that she would use to make it look that way. That was that was really fun, and it did take a lot of research. Well, I think, you know, I'm a, I've painted in the past. I've made my living years ago as a, an artist, but I'm not an oil painter and I am an abstract painter. So um, I always love it when people incorporate art into their books. And I also just love it when it's abstract art, because then I feel like it, it, it's giving such respect to abstract art because yeah. sometimes we don't, as abstract artists, don't get some of the respect when you talk to, and I'm going to use air quotes, like a real oil painter who's like paints things that look like things. And I just paint things that feel like things. (laughs) I, I, that's what I want to learn how to do. I don't know. There's been this thing that keeps popping up on my Instagram, this chick that's doing, it's, you know, really, have you seen that? The stuff where she pours the stuff and just moves. And and she's doing all the stuff. And and I'm like, really need to just take this class. I'm, I'm an Instagram marketer's dream. I, I really like that. I'm going to try that. So I, I, that's something <laughs> one day, one day. So do you, um, so you, you see yourself and you call yourself a thriller writer. That is, that's mm-hmm. who you are. Is there any other stories floating around in your head in a different genre? Of course. Do you ever think you'll explore something else? Of course. <gasps> Have you already under a different name? <laughs> oh, I'm very coy right now. Oh, I know she's I'm, be like flirty I'm, coy. I'm going to be flirty <laughs> coy, but let's talk in a couple of months. Oh, Ooh, I definitely. Like my gosh I feel like so we had Tori last week and she was being flirty coy about a project she's doing too and now I think it's a writer thing yeah (laughs) you know it's it is hard I'm sure you guys face this as well because we were talking about pen names earlier The, the, the the market doesn't like you to do things different than what the market wants you to do so unless you're a man yeah, unless you Sorry, uh, yeah. I said it. Never mind. I was just about to I was about to name specific people. But no, I, and now I'm like oh. no, because we've we've asked past guests, how do you avoid being kind of pigeonholed into one particular genre? Mm-hmm. And we've been told, well, my agent just seems to know where it goes. And we joke, okay, you just ask for an end cap and avoid any categorization, and that's great. But it does seem that some of our male guests have been able to do that, and our female guests are saying, I've had to use a different pen name, or I've been pretty much guided this direction for my career and told to stay in my lane. Oh, there's a lot of stay in your lane. Yeah. There's a lot of stay in your lane. And, and I mean, that's part of it is, you know, a sales force knows how to sell you. They know what the, what the accounts want. Um, your readers, you know, when I switched from writing the Taylor Jackson series I've lost a lot of readers because that's what they want. They want Taylor Jackson books. They don't want these weird standalones on Italian islands. You know, they want a I Taylor want Jackson story. <laughs> you know, I do too. So <laughs> it's, it's, you know, it's what the market will bear, it, but it's also what your readers want. But it's also got to be, if you have a passion for something, you can't let somebody say, you know what, stay in your lane. 
It's like, okay, fine. I'm going to do something and I'll do it under a different name. If that's going to be a big, you know, impediment for my career, I certainly don't want to derail my career. I've seen people do that switching with a big genre, you know, out of thriller, out of crime fiction to fantasy or whatever, you know, yeah, you can, you can shoot yourself dead. You don't want to do that. But I have so many stories to tell and so many ways that I want to tell them and so many things I want to explore that I hate the idea of, oh, you're only allowed to write X for the rest of your life. No, absolutely not. Exactly. I'm going to write what I, what I want to write. And if I have to do it under a different name, I have to do it under a different name. I love that. I'm sorry. Yeah, good. So I'm a horror writer. Um, and the three books I have out are all gothic horror. And the book that I've just finished is not gothic horror. And it's maybe horror. If there's gothic elements, it might be horror adjacent. Horror adjacent. <laughs> I mean, uh, but so, yeah, I'm just like already sitting here going, do people want this? I hope they want it. I know. <laughs> like, well, you guys want it. <laughs> you have to want it because you're they will. the box on this. <laughs> I mean, it's, yeah. <laughs> it's just one of those things, right? You have to, you have to bet on yourself sometimes. And you have to believe that a good story is going to find a home no matter what. And now we have a lot of opportunities and a lot of options for how we get our stories into the hands of readers. And that, I think, is something um, really, really powerful. So, you know, if you can't find a traditional path, okay, there's a non-traditional path. There's, there are indie paths. There are, there are ways. Readers want books. They want to read. They want to read what they want to read, and they don't necessarily want to read what New York tells them they want to read. They want to read, right? Yeah. So and I think I, there's know. nothing, and there's nothing wrong with having more than one pen name. I mean, we we said before we went live, like I write as a romance author as Alison Martine. When I write literary sci-fi, I'm A.M. Hubbard, and some of that is to go with the genre conventions and to be able to say, okay. For males who maybe won't pick up a science fiction book written by a woman, they don't have to know I'm a woman if I don't use the word Allison at all. They'll probably figure it out when they read the book, but that's okay. And and that's fine. I don't mind being flexible that way, but I love that you're not saying, oh, well, I'm only allowed to do this. And so now I've, I've been successful here and I'm only allowed to be successful here. I love that you're breaking out of the box and jumping lines here. I, I just, <laughs> I don't like being beholden to other people for my success. Oh, you know, that's a really difficult place to be, um, to, to have to rely on other people, you know, thank God I have the career that I have. I have been so incredibly lucky and so incredibly blessed and have had amazing support from all sides and, you know, okay, hopefully I'll have some support no matter where I go and what I do, but you know, I've, I've done 25 books now. It's, it's time. If I want to, you know, try something new, I'm going to try something new and maybe I'll fall flat on my face and it won't work. And okay. But at least I tried. And, and it probably won't fall. You probably won't fall flat on your face. I (laughs) I mean, and if you do, it just, you just get back up and right. That's why it's a pet name. (laughs) (laughs) I'm not sure this person you're talking about. I think you've got to compete with somebody completely different. I know. They'll be like, I didn't know JT Ellison wrote werewolf pornography. (laughs) (laughs) Jen, you forgot. There's always a time travel element involved. And you know what, JT, if there was a time travel element, you'd fix your timeline. No kidding, right? 
that would make it so much easier. Yeah. Concord again, back right? and forth from Nashville to Italy. Wait, does the Concord not exist anymore? Or are we just, did no. we just write it? No, they don't fly anymore. Why? Oh, they haven't flown. I think they shut them down in 1976 or 1984, somewhere early on. They had a couple of crashes, so they, it was safety issues. Oh. Yeah, they don't fly anymore. Gosh. Which is a bummer because, you know, two hours from New York to London is pretty awesome. Oh, Tori Eldridge, she's she's quoting, I don't like being beholden to other people for my success. Powerful statement, JT. Yes, and that is coming that from is an nice. actual ninja. Oh, yeah. I know, right? I mean, so <laughs> when a ninja says your statement is powerful, you get that frame That's and hang that in your office. <laughs> Might have to make a meme out of that one. Yeah. It's, yeah. it's true. I mean, and it's especially for women writers, you know, we, we do sometimes have to fight a little bit harder to make the same trek. And and that's, you know, I don't I don't know. I don't know. Maybe that was a reckless thing to say, but no, I think and it's a truthful hope, thing to say. And, and let's hope, though, that as time goes on and the industry becomes more progressive and inclusive, that won't be the case 10 years, 20 years from now, that it'll be judged by the quality of the work and then the career will be judged by the body of work versus, oh, well, we expect someone who looks like you from your background to produce this kind of story and we're pushing you over here and yeah. deal with that. That's, that's been concerning to me. I mean, it's very hard to, you know, if, I, I don't think anybody would want to read my books. If all that I can write is what, you know, I'm sitting in a, in a suburban neighborhood and I'm a woman who doesn't have children. Okay. So that's, if that's the extent of what I'm allowed to write about, oh my God, how boring yeah. can all of this get? I know, you, know? you just I, described my life and I don't want to read about that. No, I don't want to read about that either. <laughs> I mean, no offense, but I mean, no. my life, your life, it, it's, I love, you know, it. hey, I love my cats, but how many, you know, <laughs> I, I want to explore new, brave new world. You know, I grew up on Star Trek. I want to go out and Maybe have sex with green women. Who knows, right? Yes. That's oh, <laughs> we now were talking about the last now night. it's a party. It was William Shatner's 90th birthday yesterday or this week. I yeah. saw that. Yes. That's amazing. Like, oh my gosh. You know, I, I wore a Star Trek communicator to my prom instead of a corsage. That's <laughs> awesome. Isn't I it awesome? love that. <laughs> I did do it. I'm like, Oh, I think <laughs> it, was a, it was a next gen communicator too. I did not wear to brawl. You would have been my. You would have been my favorite. I think that's awesome. I would have been your green lady. <laughs> I don't know where that comes from. You, you know what I mean? It's, no, I it's, do. It's to to say you can only do this in 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 the the. the the microscope is not a way to to write that you just can't. You have to be out there experiencing it, traveling, meeting new people, having friends that aren't like you, who who are different than than what you've been brought up with. That is hugely important to being a well-rounded person, much less a writer. Well, and it's been so hard during the pandemic to even be able to get out. And now you've been yeah. also kind of sidelined by pandemic and surgery brain and having to do the therapy and everything. But I know we've all shared that just not being able to be out interacting with people and people watching and sitting in a coffee shop to write. I don't produce well when I'm producing sitting in a back corner in the room in the same dirty, sad little house that I live in because nobody wants to read about that. 
and not that I'm necessarily writing about being in the coffee shop, but just being out lets your brain breathe. And my brain is just kind of sad. I miss overhearing conversations, like hearing somebody say something and you go, oh, and then there's like a whole story. Well, and my, my kids have kind of made me deaf now, so I wouldn't be able to hear somebody six feet apart to be like, (laughs) what did you say? (laughs) Hold on. My kids are screaming again. Hold on. Well, that's where Netflix has, and, and, and all of the streamers and all of the TV, it has made it so much better because we can actually see um, different things. We can kind of pretend we're overhearing things. We can yeah. pretend we're traveling. We can pretend that all of things, these things. I've been in Colombia yeah. for the last couple of weeks. I have not learned enough Spanish. We've been watching Narcos, okay? So. Oh, okay. That's great. That's a great show. I didn't learn from watching Dark, and I haven't relearned my Spanish from watching this. I feel kind of disappointed because I was planning on being bilingual again. So we've been watching uh, Stanley Tucci on his uh, on CNN with his a whole thing going through Italy. He's he's going to every region in Italy. Um, if you've not seen it, it's I well worth it. So it I've been brushing up on my Italian with it. So every time, every Sunday night, you know, we're having an Italian dinner. And an Italian wine, and we're watching Stanley, and you know, chatting a little bit. I love it. And it's awesome. We should be doing cocaine before we watch Narcos. There you go. (laughs) Nothing like experiencing things. (laughs) (laughs) It's not an experience I need to have. I will. No. no. But maybe just weed. Just weed. Weed is fine. Weed. We're all good. It's fine. It's fine. Just get. Just get some stuff. I hate to say we're leaving on the end note of let's just go get some gummies, but we are out of time. <laughs> we were talking about gummy vitamins, Jen. They were gummy talking. vitamins. Gummy vitamins. <laughs> yes, definitely gummy vitamins. They are helpful. And I don't know. <laughs> I'm an awkward waiter and I just wait. I just wait to you too. <laughs> uh, well, anything I do is awkward. It's fine. <laughs> oh, Trisha's dying. She's just like, she had to have her days. JT, thank you for being here. People who you guys. Uh, watched this live and are catching it on the replay or just the audio, please go out and pick up JT's book, Her Dark Lies. Um, her website's been st- scrolling at the bottom. Uh, thank you again. Thank you, Vox Vomitus Vixens, as always, for being great co-hosts. Stay tuned next week. We have uh, fantasy author Chris Humphreys. He's also an actor, and he was the voice of Salem the Cat on the original Sabrina. So get ready for me asking a lot of dorky questions about Sabrina <laughs> and making him say things in Salem's voice. Um, so Thank you, everybody. Thank you to Roman Saratin, our producer. Thank you to Pam Stack, our executive producer. This has been a copywritten podcast with the Global Authors on the Air Network, and we will see you all next week.